Welcome back, family. We are about to get into part two, part two of Faith in God, Belief in the Word by Speaking. Welcome to Rise Above Religion. This is Stephen Newton. And I want to tell you that the first teaching, I pray it blessed you. I know it blessed me to just teach it. And it blessed me as well to just look at it myself and, you know, make sure that I, too, am applying the very thing that the Lord is using me to teach. Um, But that first teaching, wow, some revelation came out of there. If you have not listened to it, please, please do. It's going to bless your life tremendously. Um, And so let's get started. And uh, to clarify, I did at the end of the last teaching mention the scripture, and that was found where I originally said Mark 11, where it says, have faith in God. Um, so let's go on, and I'm going to go ahead and pray us in. And I, uh, as always, I encourage you, make sure you have a Bible with you. This is a Bible teaching uh, uh, app and um, podcast and Bottom line is, I want you to check me out. I don't want you to just take my word for it. Take take the Lord at his word. And we're going to go through this. Whatever translation you have, totally up to you. And uh, amen. I'm using New King James. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for part two, part two of this teaching. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name, that this is your precious people, your precious sheep. And in Jesus' name, Lord, you told me, feed your lamb and feed your sheep. So, Father, I thank you. It is not me doing anything that you are the speaker. You are the orator. And so by the Holy Spirit, Lord, think through this mind, speak through these lips and let your word flow forth unhindered, unchecked by any outside entity. The enemy, we know he is defeated and under our feet. He will be nowhere near where the word is being taught because the word has already destroyed him. And we know the word is Jesus. And so we thank you, Father God, for the word today, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Wisdom is the principal thing. We're to get wisdom in all of our getting, get understanding. So thank you, Father, for us being sharpened. Thank you for us being changed, renewed. Thank you, Father, for us being elevated in our relationship with you. Thank you, Father God, for us going to the next level. I thank you, Father, that this word empowers, not just only teaches and informs, but empowers people to recognize the power in them, that they begin to walk in it, utilize it, and see the manifestation of supernatural in their lives. And we thank you for this now. In Jesus' name, amen. So a quick recap, part one, faith in God. We basically established what belief is. Okay, and I gave you the basic definition of belief and then gave you the Greek word, which was postuyo, and what that basically meant. Um, Go back and and listen to the first teaching and then you'll understand it. And then I gave some scriptures to basically some some foundational pieces to give us understanding. And I gave you some understanding and principles um, regarding what belief in God does and what it manifests. And we understood when we saw Abraham, first of all, in Proverbs, we know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and what that says. And so we understand that faith builds trust, that there's a trust that has to happen in order for faith to go ahead and, and be the jump off and, and be the launching pad. Um, but trust is involved in faith. And so we saw that with Abraham. Abraham believed in the Lord and he had trusted in the Lord. So that's why he was able to believe that what God told him would happen, even though he didn't see it. 
Okay, and remember, Abraham didn't see them going to Canaan. He didn't see Jesus, the seed. He didn't see all that, but he believed God and knew. But he did see God promise come forth when he promised him a son, which we know is Isaac. Um, so we also saw that believing God manifested righteousness before the Lord when Abraham believed. But remember, we're in Christ, so we don't have to now do nothing for us to be righteous except believe. So understand the same thing Abraham did. Now we're doing the difference is Abraham had to believe God raw. We believe in Jesus Christ because God sent Jesus and that brings us a manifest righteousness, meaning we've been made righteous. See, God deemed Abraham righteous. So now God deems us righteous through what Jesus has done. The finished works of Jesus Christ has made us righteous. And then lastly, we saw that believing God causes conviction. We saw this with Moses. Moses had to be convinced that what the, the word of the Lord that, he, that, that, that was given to him to go free the people who were in Egypt in Pharaoh's bondage, that when he goes, he has a way to show them that he was sent by God and they wouldn't refute or question it. And then we saw the interaction with the, the centurion soldier, um, that the centurion soldier showed Jesus great faith and great belief, even though culturally they weren't even supposed to talk to each other. But because this man had a need, had his servant uh, paralyzed and, and infirmed and wanted him to be healed, that he could go to Jesus and recognize that all Jesus had to do was send the word and the word would be all that was needed. Because if you don't understand this, I didn't put this in the notes, but hear this and understand. Our faith in God is based on his word, right? Okay. He is the word, as John told us. So the reason why the centurion soldier could tell him to speak a word and he could then talk about authority is because the authority wasn't in the title Jesus carried. Lord didn't give Jesus power. Lord didn't give Jesus authority. It was just Lord just gave an understanding that he is an authority. But the authority came in the word because that word could only come from the authority, which was God who sent him. So even though to us, we know him as Lord and as that authority, that supreme authority, the authority is more because of the word, not because of the title. Do you understand? So don't think that it was having to do with the with the position that Jesus is holding or the centurion soldier is holding. That's why he said, I'm not worthy for you to come into my home because of our cultural differences and because of who you are as a Jew, but also because all you got to do, because I understand authority. I say to one go and he go, I say to another one come and he comes and I too am under authority. All you got to do is speak the word, send the word. That word is all I need to hear. That word is all that needs to be spoken. And that will rise that man up. And we saw that Jesus marveled at this and we saw that the man was healed. And so that was an understanding of what faith in God looks like. And so when we go to Mark 11, where Jesus basically says, have faith in God. Okay. And then he go, matter of fact, I'm already here. I'm going to, I'm going to read this and then we're going to get into belief in the word. Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. 
have faith in God. So have faith. Well, we know what, what we know faith is belief. And we know that in order to have that, there has to be a trust. So God had to do something to gain their trust for them to believe. And then in that belief, that is how this relationship was forged and how the manifestation of what God said came to pass. We now over in the New Testament, praise God, our faith is in the finished works of Jesus Christ. Jesus did everything that needed to be done. So our faith is in the finished works of Jesus Christ. That is our faith in God right there. See, so we don't have to worry about nothing being true when it comes to Jesus. We have faith in God through the finished works of Jesus Christ. And that is what our faith is to hang on. So the word that tells us about what Jesus has done, who we are in Christ, what blessings we have in Christ, the favor we have in Christ, the grace we have in Christ, the prosperity, the success, the healing, the victory, all of this is centered around what's in the word of God and our belief in what Jesus has already done. Amen. Okay. So now belief in the word part two. So let's understand something. We have many sources of information. Okay. A lot of which can be negative, depressing, evil, pessimistic that can affect what we believe. Okay. So we know that in our world today, we're seeing Things go on in our world that are causing any one of these conditions to happen. Now, as born-again believers, it shouldn't shake us because the Bible tells us, Jesus said, that his victory, that, that, that we have confidence in him. We know that the victory that he has, we have the victory, his victory has overcome the world. And this is our victory that we overcome, which is our faith. So, so bottom line is, is that Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And this is the victory that we have. And this victory is our faith. So our belief in Jesus finishing the job and overcoming the world, overcoming sin, death, and all of that, our faith has to be based on that. And that is in the word. So when stuff happens, or even when stuff is said, well, we know differently because Jesus has overcome what is manifesting in the world. Whatever, ha even when you challenged and tried, Jesus has given you His given you the word. The word has come that you can believe God and speak to it, and that's where we are right now. Belief in the word by speaking. And so we're going to get into now what that looks like and what we're to understand, okay? So, let's examine the word believe. Uh or belief in this. Now, I started out so it, it it will say that I'm examining the word belief twice, but really I examined the word first faith. I examined faith first. So, let me fix that. I apologize. In 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 the first teaching we examined the word faith. Because faith is where our belief, where, where, where belief derives. Now we're over into belief in the word, meaning now that we have this faith, how do we build it? Where does it come from? Well, we know it comes from the word of God, right? So as a result of it, what word are we to believe? Well, I'm going to show you in a moment, okay? 
So, to believe you must have faith. So we started with faith. Now we're here. So now to believe you must have faith. So you so that trust is built. Now that turns into faith, and now you have faith, which helps you believe. It sounds simple in general, but my how we complicate, especially those of us in Christ. Let's look at the word faith. Okay, now in the Greek, this word sounds similar to the word faith. I'm sorry, this is a. Yes, this is the word belief. Forgive me. Let's look at the word belief. And so now belief has the same word or sounds the same as the word we had in the first teaching. In the first teaching, the word we found for faith is the word uh, pastuyo. Now we're going to have the word belief or believe. Either one. This is the same word. In this, we find the word pistis. Now, pistis is persuasion. So you go back to the first teaching and hear what the word uh, faith sounded like and what that meant. And then you come over to belief and now see the difference. So the word pistis means persuasion. Okay. Moral conviction of religious truth or the truthfulness of God or a religious teacher, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation. Okay. So. Uh, it also says um, truth itself, assurance, belief, belief, faith, fidelity. See, faith comes here in this word belief in the Greek word. Now, let's get to the bottom of belief in the word of God. OK, let's go to Galatians chapter uh, one. This is one of the most well, it's a very powerful, powerful scripture that Paul, the apostle, gives us. He's in the church of dealing with the church of Galatia. And I'll give you the quick context. The church of Galatia was converted to Christianity and they're walking, they're new believers. And what happened was you had this group going around during that time called Judaizers. The Judaizers were these people who were saying that, well, you can believe in this Jesus, but you still got to do the law. So they were bringing forth this other gospel and they were infiltrating and coming in amongst believers, they were trying to hide themselves in the group, acting like they were believers, but they really weren't. They were opposite. They were now trying to destroy the doctrine of, of, of the gospel, the grace gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, And this is how they were doing it. So, uh, Galatians chapter 1, starting at verse number 6. Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him capital H, which is Jesus, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So to the grace of Christ. Now, I would love to go into that and I have a teaching on it. And please bear with me. That teaching is coming soon. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. To a different gospel, verse 7, which is not another, but there are some who troubled you and want you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. I'm going to continue on. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than what we preach to you, 
let him be accursed. As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than the one than what you have received, let him be accursed. So Paul is sending us down this road to understand what is taking place and see this is why it's important for you, man or woman of God. Know your word. Know the Bible. And not based according to what your mind wants to tell you the Bible is saying, but based on the way the Holy Spirit originally wrote it. Because that is how you can then be able to apply the word to your life and see the manifestation of the promises of God. The supernatural will take place in your life. It's not going to happen no other way. I'm telling you from experience. Because of religion, we are caught up believing that just as they did. So understand, this same spirit was going on then and has permeated itself in the church as of late, causing people to believe that they still got to do this law-based stuff in order for the word of God to manifest the promise that it already is supposed to. The promise has already been done. Jesus made sure of that. All we have to do is believe, obey, and speak. That's what I said in the first teaching. And when I mean obey, I don't mean simply it's your performance. Take yourself out of the equation. Man, woman, please. What I'm telling you is you are of no reputation. It is Christ working in you. It is the anointed one in his anointing. It is, and it is along as with the helper of the Holy Spirit that is making sure that the manifestation of the word is coming forth. So you are a witness to Jesus and people will come to Jesus through the working of the word in your life. And so I want to make sure we're not confused when it comes to this idea that it's something you are going to do to make God do something. No, it's not. You can't make God do nothing. He's done everything he's going to do. Now, you, through belief, obedience, and speaking of the word, will see the manifestation work in your life. That's how this thing works. That doesn't make you little God, so cut it out. That doesn't make you nothing. And I'm, I know you guys think I'm putting, no, 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 no. It's not a come, come down or anything like that. This is for you to understand. Stop seeking your own vitality by making it seem like you can go tell someone, well, I did this and God did that. No, 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 no. When you are truly walking in this thing and the stuff is really naturally, supernaturally happening, people are going to ask you and all you can do is point up. All you can do is point to the word. Well, it's because I believe the truth. I believe Jesus. I believe in the word. And so it's I'm living it out. And so it's not it's not something I'm doing special. I'm not so special and doing something special. It is what he already prescribed. And I believe it and I'm following it. So as a result of it, here's what's happening in my life. God's eternal promises are manifesting so that it would do what it's doing here. Drawing you to him. Praise God. So Paul wanted us to understand that there's only one gospel, 
one word that we're to believe in, that is the grace gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing else. It is Jesus plus nothing. Okay? So when you're dealing and challenged with something in your life or facing something, you can come right over here to the word of God and God will put a word in your spirit, in your heart that will renew your mind to what you see and then you'll begin to speak it and then and walk in it and then the manifestation of God's glory will come. And then you have a testimony now. Praise God. Let's go over to Isaiah 55. I don't want to stay there because I could live in this in this in this text right here. I could live here because it's just it's just it points right to the apathy in Christianity today. But I'm going to stop because I can get I can go. Let's go to Isaiah 55 and let's see what 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 brother Isaiah has to tell us about some of this good stuff here. Hallelujah. I hope this is blessing you. Okay. So when it comes to the word, and the reason why this is important is because we have to first understand the origin of the word. And I covered some of this in, in teaching number one, the origin of the word, the origin. I'm, but I'm going to get more in depth with it now. The origin of the word. I was talking about faith there. Yes. Okay. Now we're over into believing the, believing in the word. And the bottom line is, is the origin is God. So if it's his word, then it's incumbent upon me and you to know what he says in his word and how we're supposed to live it out according to his will and purpose for our lives. Right. Verse eight of Isaiah 55. Excuse me. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways. Nor are your ways, my ways, says the Lord. So right there, Isaiah speaking prophetically. From the Lord, speaking this word, is telling us that, our, that his thoughts are not our thoughts. So see, he starts, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So you don't think the way I do. Your, what, what's in your mind isn't the same thing in mine. Nor, and then he flips it, nor are your ways. So how you live, the things you do, your belief system, are mine. For as the heavens are are higher than the earth. So we know that because heaven is above the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So right there, Isaiah is pointing to when it comes to our belief in the word, we have a deficiency. Our deficiency, first of all, is the fact that we don't have the same mindset as God, nor do we have the same belief system as he does. Meaning how we live and what we do, it isn't the same as his. Because it's got evil in it, because it's tainted. See, it's tainted because of the fall. So see, now we have to come into understanding what his word is and what his word is meant for that we can now live it. See, it's not about, well, I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to live this word and this word is supposed to do something for me. The word was not created for for you to do something. The word has a purpose and it's God's purpose, not yours. And I, I, the reason why the Lord has me on this is because this is where, again, the apathy in Christianity is. This is where the lack of true teaching comes from and really get into the people. Because when the people realize, first of all, let me give you something basic. You couldn't save yourself. So if there was nothing you could do to save yourself from the sin and damnation and the judgment that was coming your way, 
prior to salvation, why would you now come into salvation thinking you can do something to now have the supernatural come forth or to have these promises come forth or to see God's manifestation and will happen in your life independent of him? It's not going to happen or even better, independent of his word. The word is all you need. Coupled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. So I hope you understand what I'm saying. I hope you understand what the Lord is telling us here. So we understand we have a deficiency. And, 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 and in this contrast of the distance between heaven and earth, God is showing us how far apart we are from him. Godly, thank you for the revelation. Woo! I feel the power of God in this room telling you. God is telling us how far apart we are prior to Jesus coming. And this was Old Testament scripture. So this was back then. He's telling his people then, telling Israel, this is how far apart from me you really are. And that hasn't changed. The difference now is the gap has been narrowed because of what Jesus has done. But we still got to realize that now we have to take this word and we have to make it alive. Because it already is living. It already is alive. But it has to come off the page here. It has to jump out of here into us. And then we believe, obey, and speak. So that way the manifestation comes forth in the natural. Praise God Almighty. Verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there. So look, look at what, what Isaiah is showing us. The natural order of things. Here's rain that comes and snow that falls. Okay. And doesn't return back to where it came from. So it comes down from heaven. Right. Okay. And doesn't go back. But it waters the earth. So bottom line is what God is telling you that his ways, his thought has a purpose. His word has a purpose similar to the rain and the snow. It comes down and doesn't go back. Right? It doesn't go back. It waters the earth. So, and it bring, and, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, which we hear over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, that's something different, but this is where that scripture comes from. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. So Isaiah, God through Isaiah, shows us the disparity of us between him and God, between us and him in thought and in action and lifestyle. And then he shows us the natural order of what he did when he created everything, when he spoke. That he spoke the rain and the snow to fall from heaven and it doesn't come back, but it stays here to water the earth and then to cause it to bring forth bud and that it gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So the, the rain and the snow is doing what it's supposed to because God's word spoke it in existence. So now our belief in the word can be based upon that illustration 
and this next comment and this next revelation. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. So the word that has come out of God's mouth from Genesis to Revelation will do the very same thing for you it did for the earth when he told the rain and snow what it was going to do. And it shall not return to me void. So he's telling you because he spoke what he spoke in the beginning when he created all things. Guess what? For you, the word he speaks to you, it ain't going to return to him void because it didn't return to him void then because the earth still gets water from rain and snow. And it does produce a harvest, which we see in the trees and in the things that manifest as a result of the precipitation. Hallelujah. Glory to his holy name. But it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper. In the thing for which I sent it. Now in my version, it says it shall prosper in the thing. In the thing is italicized, which means it wasn't a part of the original text. The interpreter put it in there to grammatically get us into understanding or draw us closer to the fullness of understanding what, what, what God is saying. Let me read it the other way. So I read it to you with it there. Now let me read it to you in the original form. And it shall prosper for which I sent it. So God's word has a specific purpose, a specific plan. And that's why he calls us to speak the word. But we first must believe in the word. How do you believe in the word? You get in the word. Okay. All right. So we believe the word of God. Now, I want to share something with you regarding the word. There are two types of word. Logos, rhema. Logos is written word. That is what's in black and white and some places red. And then there's rhema. Rhema is revelation. Okay. These are both Greek words to describe the word. Because in the scripture, we have these two, these two things happening throughout the scripture. We have Logos, written word, that brings forth Rhema. So a written word, originally spoken, that now speaks revelation to us. Meaning that the word which we see that is now written in, in all 66 books, right? That we what we what we come to know is that this was already spoken. This is already here, and the revelation is really us getting knowledge of it. See, that's why this is a what they call a closed canon because can't nothing else of revelation or God's done speaking. So there's no more word that needs to be put into this book. Every bit of the revelation and the rhema we're going to get by the Holy Spirit will come from what is contained in this in, in this book right here. So anyone outside talking about they got revelation from Jesus outside of what's in this closed Canaan, 
I don't know what they've heard and who they heard from, and they've been deceived because there's no one else, no one, no one. If they are, trust me, you need to run. You need to run because they are preaching divination or they are preaching false doctrine because there's nothing that you can say or come to an understanding of outside of what's already contained in this closed Canaan. Everything from Genesis to Revelation is everything God in heaven through his son Jesus by the Holy Spirit wanted to reveal to us. Amen. So Logos, start there. Logos, something said by implication, a topic, also reasoning or motive by extension and computation, especially the divine expression. Account cause communication concerning doctrine okay see so um it says uh intent matter mouth preaching question reason reason okay um so it basically lets us understand that the logos which is the written word is the word that comes that came together right here as we see in our Bibles. It was spoken. But it was made into an account. Someone took account. These holy men of God took account. Of what God spoke to them. And wrote it out for us. They got they they, they took account the revelation. That was spoken to them and wrote it down. For our reading. And for us to now receive the same revelation they received. Number two, rhema. An utterance. So see, both of them say something said, just say it differently. This one says an utterance. Collectively. Or especially by implication, a matter or topic, especially a narration, command or dispute. Okay, so now, so basically the rhema is revelation of what is written, which means what is revealed to us confirms what was written. See, the confirmation of God's word of the, the, the rhema is the confirmation See, you receiving the revelation so you're able to believe. When you get revelation of the word, it is confirmation of what God originally spoke and made an account that you now have been made aware of and now can live out and speak out because you now have what you need and understanding to now perform, not perform, but to bring forth. God's promise and I don't want them perform again it's not about what you do it's what he's already done so when you get the revelation of each and every single scripture line upon line precept upon precept you come to an understanding with God you now are coming in agreement and lining yourself up with no longer deficient no longer this separation between you and God in thought and in ways, 
because now you now have read or studied the Logos, the written word, and through the study of the Logos, God, by the Holy Spirit, has given you rhema, revelation from above on how to live it, on how to walk in it, how to bring forth his purpose and promise for your life. I hope that helped. Amen. Let's go over to John chapter one. John chapter one. We're doing, I believe we're doing good on time. Let me see where we are because I have a lot of scriptures here. We might make it. Let's see. St. John chapter 1. St. John chapter 1. <clears throat> verses 1 through 3 and 14. Okay. And what is this? This is basically, I start, I, I went to the Old Testament so you can get a picture of how, uh, uh, of what, that really, there really is no difference. The difference now is just Jesus came. That's the main difference. Jesus was, was the same over there. He was the Lord over there too. He was the word over there too. Okay. But he wasn't for that time. He was for us. He was for us. So even though he was over there, he was for us. Understand. So now here we are as New Testament believers. We have to understand what we need to know about the word and that the word is relevant for us from Genesis to Revelation. Even if we don't want to understand, bottom line is you want to go to the Old Testament and read it because it is for your learning that through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we would have hope. That's Romans 15 and four. That's what the whole purpose of the Old Testament is, is to show us God's will back then. Now we're in God's new, we're in God's will for now, the New Testament, the new covenant. Okay. But that will show us how God and, and, and his marvelous excellence got us from the fall back to reconciliation. Praise God Almighty. Okay, John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So wait a minute. First, it was the Word, and then it was God. And then the word was God. The word, so look, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. So the word and God had already a connection, because the word was with him because he spoke it. And the word was God. So God and the word were one then, and then we now know God is the word. He was in the beginning with God. Whoa, the word now turned into a he. The word went from something spoken by its invisible spirit to now being a he that was with that invisible spirit when he spoke the very word that framed this world. Verse 3. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. So I don't care what you hear. I don't care what people say. I don't care. No one can take credit for nothing of what you see other than God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, because they were all there when God spoke the word and spoke every bit of life into existence. 
Verse 14. And the word became flesh. Oh, well, there's our he. So our he was Jesus. Because Jesus is who became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld something. We beheld his glory. Whose glory? God's glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. So understand something. This is a side note. When you see Jesus, Jesus is full of grace and truth. Not one or the other. He has both. Praise the Lord. Okay. That's a side note. That's for another time. You'll get it later. But let's look at this. So Jesus is the word of God. So our belief in the word is Jesus. Jesus, the finished works of Jesus, the grace gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So when you're sitting here saying, oh man of God, I'm hearing what you're saying, but how do I deal with depression? Well, God, well, Jesus delivered you from depression. So if you're still depressed, you don't believe in what the finished works of Jesus Christ. And that could clearly mean you need more word. You need to get in the word more. You need to get to know and know God more and know that God is your deliverer. God is your healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. See, Jehovah Rapha, folks, isn't only just a healer of physical sickness. He's also the healer, the healer of spiritual sickness, mental sickness as well. See, see, depression shouldn't have you. Anxiety shouldn't have you. Fear shouldn't have you because fear we know is a spirit. So is anxiety. So is depression. But these things are also dealt with in our soul. The soul covers the mind, will, and emotions. So if your emotions have not been put in check to the word of God, then yes, you will be sitting here depressed when things aren't going a certain way or when uh, an emotional attachment is or emotional um, an emotional thing isn't fulfilled. Something that you tied to your that's tied to your life emotionally isn't fulfilled. Like let's say um, people. Let's say you're emotionally attached to people, meaning you, you don't want to be a loner. You love being around people. But you don't have people to be around, so you're depressed. Well, that shouldn't be a reason to be depressed. Because the reality is, is that you have God. So you're not alone. You're never alone. You've got Jesus. You've got Christ. You've got, you got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. So you're never alone. See? So there's no reason to be depressed about you not having or gathering around a bunch of people. And I'll say this. If you're gathering around a bunch of people, then maybe the people who you want to gather around are people that God don't want you to gather around. Maybe God wants you to gather around people of like precious faith and you won't gather around them. That was for somebody. I don't know who, but you do. So start gathering around people of like precious faith. See? Praise God. So when it comes to Whatever you're challenged with, you got to believe in the word regarding that challenge and you got to speak to it. If you don't, it's going to stay. And the enemy is going to just pitch a tent, put some chairs up, light a campfire and and and, and uh, uh, fry some s'mores, roast some s'mores. 
because you're not doing what the word says. See? So that's the reality. So the reality is, is when we come, when we understand what Jesus is the word, Jesus is the word and Jesus has fulfilled what God wanted to fulfill. So we know where our belief should be. Our belief should be in the word. And then once we have that belief, that faith that comes by hearing the word of God. So how do you hear the word? Speak. See, if you sitting here reading the scripture like you read a book, meaning you just eyeballing it, you don't hear the word. Speak it out. Speak it out. Speak it out. That's when you'll see the manifestation. You won't see it just with a stay in your mind or with you just looking at it by the eye. You didn't get nothing. You didn't receive nothing. That's for me too. See? So, let's continue on. Man, run out of time. I probably won't finish this in this setting. I'll have to probably do another one. Let's go to James chapter 2. Ooh, this is good right here. James chapter 2. Some misunderstand this particular scripture, but James chapter 2. He really hits home on this one. Okay. For us to understand, all right, remember, we're talking about belief in the word of God. And we understand belief comes from faith. Our faith in God is where, where we get belief and then we get in the word and then the word strengthens that belief, that faith even more. Because when we, when we see the word and we, we, the word is revealed to us, the rhema, the, the, we, we get in the logos and then we get rhema from it, revelation, and then we begin to speak it out and, and live it out, right? That's when our faith continues to build. Our belief in him begins to continues to build to a place where we are solely convinced and dependent upon him. So here's what James says about this. James 2 verse 17. James says, thus also by itself, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now let me stop because you, you're going to say, man of God, you told us in the first one, we don't, we don't, we're not works. Now, I did and I meant it. When we talk about works, James is not referring to physical works in terms of working the law or, again, that this for that type relationship with God. Faith without works is faith without working God's word. So, belief without corresponding action if you believe in God's word, there is supposed to be an action that you do that shows your belief. And most of it should be what comes out of your mouth. Others of it should be how you live your life. If you're still cussing folks out, then that means the word hasn't taken over yet. That means you haven't got the faith built up to where you realize that you don't need to speak corrupt words out of your mouth. As the Bible says, Bible says, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth, but that which is necessary for edification, that it would impart grace to the hearer. See, when we speak, there shouldn't be offense that will come to someone because we're speaking life. Even when we're speaking truth. Now, if we speak truth and it offends someone, then chances are they are in deception 
or there's something that is not right within them that God is dealing with and the truth came to them and it exposed it. Now, whether they choose to now take the truth and let it work in them and fix it is not up to you. That's between them and God. But that's an indication. So when we talk about works, we're not talking about law works. We're talking about our faith working according to what we believe. Our faith working according to what's written in the word of God. That's, the, that's what we're talking about. Works. The corresponding action to our belief in God's word. Amen? Verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith with, with, without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So, let me, let me give you the distinction. Here's the example. Here's two people, both in faith. Here's the guy on the left that says, I need a job. But doesn't get in his prayer closet, doesn't believe God, and doesn't be led of the Holy Spirit to go, wherever he needs to go to go get employment. Here's this guy to my right that says, or over on the other side that says, okay, I believe that God is my source. He is Jehovah Jireh. He has supplied all of my need according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So as a result of it, I'm going to now let him lead by the Holy Spirit on where I need to go to work, where he wants me to work, where I can minister and, 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 and be a blessing to this organization. And then by then, that man should be getting up, showering, grooming himself, getting himself clean, and hitting, hit, hit, hitting the pavement and out there doing what he got to do. See, but that's not works, people. That is working faith. That is working the word. That's what we're supposed to do. That's not this whole works of the law type deal this whole do this so God will do that God's done it now you are the one working working your belief in the finished works of Jesus Christ by simply walking out and obeying the scripture and speaking destiny it's, it's simple but we complicate it let's continue Verse 19, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So look at what he did. James basically was condescending here. He, told, he said, you believe there's one God. Good. You're doing well. You're on the right track. But still, that's not dealing with this faith and work situation because even the demons believe that there's one God and tremble. But do, but do you want to know, oh foolish man? But do you want to know? See, now understand something in Scripture. You'll see these men of God. Paul is notorious for it. They'll ask a question. You're thinking it's rhetorical, meaning there is... Some other way to answer? No. The question has an answer. The reason the question is raised is because it wants, it's tapping into you to see, do you want the answer to the question? Or do you know what the answer to the question is? Okay, that's just a side note. 
You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Okay? So, we see this in, in action in the Old Testament. Go with Genesis very quickly. Genesis. Genesis. Oh, I wanted to get to Hebrews because, man, that's some powerful stuff there. Hmm. Won't be in this one. It'll probably be in the next one after this. Hebrews. I'm sorry. Genesis 22. Genesis 22. 22. Okay. And I'm going to read verse 1 through 14. Now it came to pass after these things. That God tested Abraham. Now, don't don't dare think that God is sitting here. You know, God tests our faith. Because the Bible does say that we should test ourselves to see if we are in faith. See, but God tested Abraham's faith. He was testing to see where Abraham was in his belief after all this time. So remember... Ten chapters ago, Abraham was given a, a, a covenant, father of many nations. Then, five chapters ago, he was given a promise, a covenant was made with him. So in 12, he was given a promise, in 17, a covenant that he would have a son. Well, his son has come forth now, and here is that that now, the manifestation, and now all that's happened, so Abraham has seen God and has seen the production of God's promises because of his belief. But God wanted to make sure Abraham hadn't lost his way or Abraham didn't veer off of faith. And here's how. Now, after it came to pass, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering, one on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, 
the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I could teach. Boy, I could go so deep into this, you boy. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abram stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place. The Lord will provide. Anyone know what that is? Jehovah Jireh, baby. As it is to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. I read it all the way through and I could have really got in depth and broke it down and I may in the next teaching. But the reason why I wanted to get through it is so you see, here is a perfect example of Abraham prior to Jesus. Glory be to God. He believed God raw. He didn't have a mediator. He didn't have a go-between. He had to believe in God. And in his word all the way through. And this is why he's the father of many nations. This is why he is considered in Christendom the father of faith. Because he showed that nothing was withheld from God. He understood God was his everything. Because he proved that when he made his promise with him. And he proved it again when he made a covenant with him for a son. So God had to show and make sure that Abraham wouldn't keep nothing from him. Let me ask you, where are you in your faith? And remember, you have a mediator. You have someone who did right here what this was right here. Mm. Jesus was exactly this to, for God the Father. We got a picture in the Old Testament of the crucifixion or the sacrificial lamb, if you will, through this scenario here. The difference is it was an altar versus a cross. And I'm out of time. Stay tuned. I'm going to pick this right back up. I hope this is blessing you. Hallelujah. It's blessing me. God. Glory be to his holy name.